This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, January the 2nd, the first Wednesday of the new year here in 2019. And I'm your host, Shannon Jones. I am joined in the studio via Skype by a healthcare specialist guru, all around awesome guy, Todd Campbell. Todd, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I missed you. I missed you, too. The last couple weeks. Yes, glad to be back in the studio. And more importantly, I'm glad because today we actually get to look back at 2018 and talk about the top performing stocks of 2018. I don't know about you, Todd. Many of these surprised me um, when I went and looked at the returns from 2018. You know, I bet you a lot of people are, after the fourth quarter's dismal performance, are pretty excited to flip that calendar, right? Anybody still have a calendar on their wall? I don't know. Flip that calendar and uh, and see 2019. Obviously, uh, a tough end to the year. But people who own these stocks, they're probably smiling pretty broadly comparing their returns against the S&P, that's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the S&P, it looks like it was down about 6% in 2018, about 4% if you include dividends. And then as you look at you know biotech and uh, biopharma, you've got the XBI and the IBB were also down double digits in 2018. So all in all, not, not a great 2018. But like you said, Todd, there were some high flyers. Let's, let's start off with the first one. So the first stock is a stock that was actually up over 1,400%. That's right, 1,400% <laughs> in 2018. It actually started off the year with the market cap uh, right around $26 million, ended the year with the market cap right about $2 billion. Todd, if you would have told me at the beginning of 2018 that the stock with returns of 1,400% would have been a diabetes stock, I would have said you're crazy and to put down the cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tandem diabetes up nearly 1500% in the year and all tied to one really game changing development that happened over the summer. I think to give you know our listeners a little bit of background here, tandem diabetes makes insulin pumps and insulin pumps are increasingly being used by people with type one diabetes who are unable to produce their own insulin. Um, as a way of, of more efficiently delivering their insulin uh, to their body um, rather than you know having to continuously be injecting themselves uh, with that insulin. It's a very competitive marketplace. You know, there's other players out there. Insulate's a big player there. Uh, Medtronic is a big player there. Um, up until you know this year or last year, 2018, uh, Johnson Johnson's animus was a big player there. But there were some big there were some changes over the course of 2018 that really allowed you know this company to shine and really just i guess jump started optimism among investors that you know it's going to jump to the front of the line um, in terms of sales and market share yeah and it really came down to this technology the launch of their T-Slim X2 with what's called the Basil IQ technology um, that is coupled, integrated with Dexcom's uh, G6 uh, uh, technology. But 
in particular, this innovation, this basal IQ technology really now gives the patient um, much more convenience and more control because now this basal IQ technology can actually predict and respond to what's happening with the patient. Yeah. In the past, you still had to, you know, uh, check your, you know, monitor yourself for your insulin levels, um, program in, you know, the dosing for your pump. And this automates that. So essentially what it's done is it pairs the pump up with, like you said, Dexcom's. Dexcom was no slouch either. It was it was one of the top performers last year. Uh, Dexcom's continuous glucose monitor and, you know, an algorithm. And using all three of those things together, it you know is allowed to be able to to say, okay, yeah, you, you should have more insulin. Here we go. I'm going to automatically give you some insulin back it off, whatever. And that's important because so many diabetes patients spend a large par- portion of their day outside of the desired blood sugar range. And of course, that can contribute to the progression of the disease and all sorts of other uh, life-threatening um, um, complications later on down the, down the road. Absolutely. And one of the things I think when you look at Tandem, not only are they innovating with the basal IQ technology, um, but if you look at their pipeline, uh, they've got a number of different innovative approaches that I think are really impressive. Um, They've got first uh, a hybrid closed loop system that they are currently in development with, with a uh, startup called Type Zero Technologies, actually a startup that was based out of research from UVA. Um, And so they're working to actually build out this hybrid closed loop system that could launch in 2020, maybe 2021. They've also got the T-Sport insulin delivery system. This is basically next-generation hardware platform form as well. Um, that looks like that could also launch in 2020, 2021 as well. And then, too, um, they are increasingly pushing the needle when it comes to remote connectivity. So you see Bluetooth being integrated with a lot of these insulin pump systems, which makes it all the more convenient. And also, too, gives the patient the ability to remotely uh, control their insulin pumps as well. So all in all, you've got a company that is delivering on innovation and also has a pretty impressive pipeline to boot. Yeah, we only have um, a, a pretty short window of, of insight into just how much the launch of this insulin delivery system uh, in 2018 is, is going to move the needle on sales. They did report the third quarter results, and, and those were pretty impressive. I mean, sales were up 71% year over year to $46 million. That's great. They upped their guidance for the full year in October to revenue of between $160 million and $165 million. Um, that was up from prior guidance of up to $158 million. So always good to see that kind of optimism for the company. You mentioned the new products that are coming out in the 2020 timeframe. That'll be important because you know there are other automated insulin delivery systems that are in you know in development. Um, Medtronic actually was the first one to launch one. They they have one out there, but you know it's not as as I guess convenient and easy to use as as tandems. But Insulate's got one in development. Eli Lilly's got one in t- in development as well. Uh, those could <coughs> pose a, a competitive threat to tandem around that same 2020 time point time frame. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, there's there's Animus Johnson and Johnson got out of the the business that that's created more of an opportunity, addressable market. That's that's provided a tailwind for the company. And I suppose Shannon, you know, looking at you know, most most investors are looking at it and saying, "Wow, up fourteen hundred and eighty percent in two thousand eighteen. Can this possibly have more room to run in two thousand nineteen?" Yeah, I, I generally think it does. Another 
reason in addition to their product line is the fact that they are so they are they are also expanding internationally. Um, so according to the International Diabetes Federation, globally you've got about 425 million people diagnosed with diabetes, um, of which about 10% have that type 1 diabetes that you mentioned. And so what you saw in 2018 with Tandem as well was they were starting to push push into international markets. Um, and these, of course, include places like Australia, Italy, South Africa, the UK, New Zealand. Um, and then also, too, Canada uh, also came on board in the fall of 2018 as well. So all in all, I think with the product pipeline, plus also this international expansion, which I really think they're still very much in the early innings of, again, you'll have to be mindful of the competition like with Medtronic's Minimed system. Um, but I do think that this could continue to go high, maybe not as high as 1,400% in 2019, but I still think it's got plenty of room to grow. It's a huge market, uh, 1.25 million people with type 1 diabetes here in the U.S. alone. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, pumps really have only penetrated, you know, I, I, not certainly not everyone with type 1 is using it. There's still more room to grow for the pump makers. I, I, I do wonder a little bit about valuation. You know, you mentioned the uh, the market cap has grown pretty pretty remarkably. And even with that upped guidance for sales, uh, sales of $165 million this year, I mean, that's that's still a trading at pretty good multiple to sales. But I do agree with you that there's a lot of running room. And now that the company has got in this balance sheet under and, you know, in, in better shape, it, it got rid of its debt last year as well. Um, I, I think that there's some opportunity here. It's definitely a stock to watch here in 2019. Absolutely. So let's uh, shift gears, talk about the second stock. This one wasn't as much of a surprise um, when it comes to the returns, because it did generate a tremendous amount of investor attention and even just media attention. Uh, this was a stock, uh, one of the darlings of 2018, a company called Amarin, that's ticker symbol A-M-R-N. Uh, stock was up about 240% in 2018. I think it's currently sitting at around $13 a share. It did go as high as 20 $3 a share before the, the market carnage that happened in November and December. Um, but Todd, I think in looking at this company, not surprised to see it as one of the top performers. But looking back at 2018, definitely surprised that it was the fish oil pill that really led this company up, up and away. Well, you know, we've, it's a lot of people have been. Have, waiting on this company to deliver cardiovascular outcomes um, results that could prove that lowering triglycerides by using Vesepa, which is its purified fish oil, um, you know, did reduce major cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes and the like. It just, people just weren't convinced up until now that using this approach could actually, you know, move the needle for outcomes for, for patients. In, I think it was either September or October, the company rolled out the results from its multi-year, I think it was like six-year study. Uh, and sure enough, they found that if you add Vesepa to um, statin therapy in people with um, who are already taking statins, it provided an incremental additional 25% reduction in the risk of these major cardiovascular events. And that includes a 20% reduction in, in death, a 31% reduction in the risk of heart attack, and a 28% reduction in stroke. And that's that's really just that's impressive. I mean, it's and it's important because you know cardiovascular disease claims a lot of lives every year. There's a big need uh, for for new treatment approaches that can help these patients avoid having suffering these events. 
you know, I, I think that with statins alone, Shannon, it reduces it by about 25 to 35%, depending on the therapy or the intervention that, that's being done. So there's still a 65%, you know, room, room for improvement there. Now, potentially, the use of Vicepa alongside statins, much larger addressable market opportunity for Amarin, and theoretically puts it on the path to have a blockbuster drug, um, you know, assuming approvals go its way, uh, as soon as the end of 2019. Absolutely. And it should be noted, too, with Facepa. So it is already on the market. Um, this would be a label expansion for them. Um, right now, Facepa is already approved to treat, um, I believe it's severe patients that have triglyceride levels um, above 500 milliliters per deciliter, I believe is what it is. But the, it's already on the market. As you mentioned, this does greatly expand the addressable market. Um, of course, as many um, Healthcare investors will know, we'll start to see sales ramp up, but you're already seeing that even as we await approval. And that's because doctors can prescribe these drugs off-label. So you're starting to see prescriptions already start to ramp up. I think you'll see even more heading into 2019. Assuming that it does get approved, you should see a nice surge there. Um, but all in all, this was, I think, uh, a company that for 2018, all eyes were on this data. Everybody was waiting on this cardiovascular data. They delivered on this data. This is a company that honestly was about to shelve this product uh, years ago, almost didn't make it to market. So I do need to give credit where credit is due because the management team didn't shelve this one. They did go back, look at the data, start to look at subgroups and find where this drug actually did work. And so it'll be really interesting to see this coupled with those statin therapies, as you mentioned. One of the most exciting earnings reports that I, for me to watch is going to be the, the fourth quarter results for this company, because I, I want to see whether or not ahead of this approval, but following the data, doctors are starting to prescribe this off-label and really driving sales higher. The company has big plans. They're get, they were spending up to, I think it was around $50 million on R&D uh, because of this, this study that has now ended. They're going to move that money over now to hiring salespeople. I think they're tripling their sales force, they're going to, if they get approval, uh, they'll kick off a direct-to-consumer uh, marketing campaign. They're going to, they're really going to try and get this out in front of everybody. It's not an expensive drug like some of these other drugs we've talked about on the show, Shannon, like PCSK9 inhibitors, those kind of things used in the syndication. Um, so theoretically, you know, you could gain pretty widespread use. And, you know, if you look at some of the best sellers in history, they've been the statin drugs. I mean, just look at Lipitor, right? $12 billion in peak annual sales at its at its height. Yeah. And so I think another really interesting thing to watch in 2019 is to see if Big Pharma actually comes up, pulls alongside, whether it be a partnership deal or if Amara just gets bought out all in all. They'll be launching, uh, hopefully in the EU as well. They'll definitely at least need a partner there. So I think that'll be a big storyline to watch as well. Yeah, they want a partner uh, over in Europe. So it'll be interesting to see if we get some news out of them in the first six months or, or whatever. Um, they, they have not filed. They're trying, they're debating. They're trying to figure out, should we, should we file and then get approval and, and then try to partner up? What will that mean for economics? Um, or should we do it the other way around? Uh, so that, that's going to be something to keep, keep an eye on. People are also going to want to keep an eye on a study of another drug uh, that works, we'll call it similarly, AstraZeneca is a drug called Epinova, um, and, and that's also a fish oil pill that's in late-stage um, studies, and data could be coming from them in 2020. But as Amarin has said in the past when asked about that drug, um, the difference is that AstraZeneca's drug does include another type 
of um, of fish oil called DHA. And historically, in trials, DHA has increased bad cholesterol levels. Um, so you know that's why historically fish oil studies have not panned out. This is the first one that has panned out because Vesepa is a purified EPA, EPA, uh, fish oil. It doesn't have DHA. Yeah, and the management team has really been driving that point home very hard, that this is a purified form. Um, So a lot to look forward to in 2019 with Amarin and also with AstraZeneca. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about two more stocks, a little bit larger, probably a little bit more well-known. But first, a quick word from our friends at Cineos Health. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration, helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. All right. So we're back. We've talked about two smaller up-and-coming stocks. Let's talk about some of the larger ones that have also generated some impressive returns in 2018. The first of which is a company called Abiomed. Uh, Todd, you and I talked a little bit about before this show about how 2018 was really the year of medical devices and med tech. This stock is no different. Ticker symbol is ABMD if you want to check it out. But Todd, this is another one that actually generated some really impressive returns. Absolutely crushed. The S&P returned up, I think, 73.4% in 2018, making it one of the uh, top performing um, stocks within the index this past year. And, you know, one of the interesting things you, ta- you, you were talking about different medical devices and such, a lot of these uh, top stocks in 2018 uh, have a common thread, and that's that they address, in one way or another, cardiovascular disease. And Abiomed from its perspective, it makes heart pumps that can be used temporarily in patients who have suffered, say, a heart attack, some sort of a, a, a cardiovascular event, to basically bridge them as they uh, either undergo surgery to repair their heart um, or to help their, you know, them rest and, and their heart to heal uh, to avoid you know, having to have, say, like a heart transplant. Yeah, and so their technology, it's under the Impella brand. Um, And what's really interesting is it sounds like they don't even have a ton of direct competition. As I was reading more and more about their different technologies, I mean, really, they are are quietly, I would say, in many ways, really starting to change the treatment paradigm for many of these massive heart conditions, heart failure, heart attacks. I mean, you name it. They're going after nearly every single indication with little to no direct competition as it stands yet. Yeah. It, you know, there's been not a tremendous amount of advance in survival rates uh, for people who suffer these cardiac um, events uh, over the last 20 years until now we have, you know, Abiomed in, in its temporary heart pumps. And if, you know, one of the things that they talked a lot about in 2018 was you know, if you employ best practices using these pumps, 
um, you know, you could get survival rates that go from 50% where they've tracked historically to 75% or better. And, and that's just remarkable. And, you know, it can also be pretty cost saving because, you know, these are expensive procedures. When you have, you know, having cardiac failure, you know, you need a heart transplant or you need heart surgery, open heart surgery. These are expensive, costly things. So, I mean, if you can, if you can have a, a product like the Impella that, you know, allows a patient to recover more quickly and to go home with their own heart. I, I, that's, it's just, it's remarkable. And, you know, it's interesting too, Shannon, you know, I was just going through their conference call, just, you know, ahead of the show and talking uh, to, to get a, a feel for what we're looking at here. You know, they still, there's a lot of running room still for this company. You know, it's, it's, they think that their devices could be theoretically over time using hundreds of thousands of patients. Uh, which would obviously send their sales much, much higher. And, um, you know, they've got a great balance sheet, you know, plenty of cash on, they're debt free. Uh, and like, you know, the companies we've talked about, they're increasing the revenue guidance because of approvals in 2018 that have expanded their addressable market. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to like this company. Yeah. In addition to, they're also looking uh, internationally. For instance, in Japan, um, there's a huge market opportunity. It's the second largest medical device market in the world, 150,000 patients seeking treatment for the indications which their products are intended to treat, which is amazing. Right now, their current product lineup, uh, I believe they've got a a total addressable market of about 220,000 patients with their pipeline that could now add another 300,000 patients. They've got two really large indications that they're going after as well, targeting some more serious heart conditions too. Uh, Matter of fact, for our listeners, we actually had one of our foolish uh, colleagues, Brian Feroldi, sat down, did an interview with the CEO, I believe it was in August of 2018, to really talk about the market opportunities and even the competitive threats. Um, if you're interested, just Google The Motley Fool sits down with Abby Med to check it out. Highly recommend it because it really gets down into uh, what will be important for 2019 and beyond. But yeah, Todd, all in all, I think there's a massive runway for this company, um, and I think you'll hear a lot lot more about it heading into 2019. So yeah, I just double checked and they're only 10% penetrated into the market according to management. So to those numbers you gave of the addressable market. Yeah. Huge addressable market there. So very interesting stock to watch. All right. So let's round out the show, Todd, by talking about probably the largest of all of these uh, stocks we've talked about so far. And that is the biopharma behemoth Merck. So that sticker symbol MRK for our listeners out there. Stock was up over 35% in 2018, which is really quite impressive when you consider that Merck is a company with a $195 billion market cap. And what's even more impressive is that much of this stock's attention, much of the gains have really come down to one key drug that is the gift that literally keeps on giving, and it's its checkpoint inhibitor called Keytruda. Mm, Keytruda is just so important to this company. You know what's interesting? Looking at the companies that we've talked about on today's show, Merck is like the only one that's a, a single-digit year-over-year grower. I mean, it, so it's uh, there may be multiple things going on. I think that Keytruda is absolutely what was driving the car in 2018 for its success. We'll get into those numbers in a second. Maybe also investors were getting a little nervous and you know wanted to get a little bit more protection, as we've talked about in, in the past on the show. Uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, especially cancer drugs, um, not really 
something that is tied to uh, economic activity. I mean, if you need the drug, you need the drug. Uh, so a lot of times people tend to go to a, in a flight to safety to some of these pharmaceuticals. We also saw one of the top S&P performers in the year was Eli Lilly. But over here at Merck, um, Keytruda really has become the most widely used uh, of these checkpoint inhibitors. And what these drugs do, these checkpoint inhibitors do, is they allow the immune system to uh, find the cancer cells, because sometimes cancer cells will hijack some uh, uh, a mechanism called PD-1 that allows them to, you know, tell the, the immune system, hey, we're just normal cells, don't attack us, don't attack us. Well, as more and more trials have been conducted that have proved that Keytruda is effective and safe, uh, it's getting more and more widely used. And in the first nine months of 2018, Shannon, this drug alone, this drug alone did $5 billion in revenue in the first nine months, which is just remarkable. And that was up 80, uh, I think it was yeah, almost doubled, almost doubled in the first nine months, including an 80% year over year jump in the third quarter. And, you know, that's not at all shocking. When you look at Keytruda, I believe right now it's already approved for use in 12 different indications across eight different tumor types already here in the United States. And that's just the United States. So you can see, I mean, Keytruda certainly has a very long growth runway ahead of it. Um, and not only that, Keytruda is being studied, and I think it's more than uh, 30 types of cancer, 850 different studies around the world, 500 of which are these combination studies, which I think you'll hear more about in 2019 as we did in 2018, to see how these checkpoint inhibitors like Keytruda or Bristol's Obdivo work in combination with these other amino oncology products. So certainly um, a lot to be had moving forward, but certainly Keytruda has been, I think, the growth story of the year for Merck. Yeah, in 2019, things to watch. I think they have five applications that are awaiting a decision from the FDA that could, again, expand even further the addressable market. They have uh, a number of other readings that are coming out from, from trials they're conducting that are going to come out over the course of the next 18 months. So you're going to want to stay tuned for those. Overall, the peak sales estimates for this drug, I, I've seen as high as 12 billion or something like that by 2024. Um, you know, so even though it's do, did, you know, on track to do, we'll call it 7 billion in sales this year, you know, you could still see this go another 50% higher from there. That is more than offsetting um, declining sales from Zisha uh, after losing its patent protection. That was their multi-blockbuster um, uh, drug for to, to help reduce bad cholesterol levels. Uh, once that lost patent protection, people were worried, hey, what are they going to do to be able to offset those sales? Obviously, Keytruda is doing that. That's why um, you've got this company that's still putting up relatively solid growth for a company its size um, in 2018. The other thing too, Shan, we should probably just you know remind our investors is that you know it's a dividend-paying stock. You know, so that that that's always nice. And you know, because their balance sheet's so good and Keytruda has been so successful, they've been able to increase their buyback authorization and boost their dividend late, you know? So, I mean, those those are tailwinds as well. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot to like here with Merck. I mean, really a lot to like with all four of these companies heading into 2019. Um, I, I must say, coming out of 2018 with the market being down and with biotech stocks just getting hammered, it's so good, so refreshing to see 
companies like these four companies that are not only innovating, um, making money, but also more importantly, they're improving patient outcomes and the quality of patient care. And so as many as you'll see with the negative headlines, it's so good to see so many of these companies innovating where it matters and winning where it matters most, Todd. Yeah. And I think the the one thing that I will do as we I feel us wrapping up the show, just tempering a little bit of enthusiasm here. I did go back and look at the top performers of 2017 to see, you know, okay, of the top 10 performers in the S&P in 2017, how many of those repeated in 2018? Only four of them did. <laughs> so, you know, just because you had a very strong 2017, does, uh, 18 does not guarantee uh, you'll have a strong 2019 um, you know, so bear that in mind when you're considering these stocks. But I think that it's fascinating and, and oftentimes, uh, you know, to look at these names and see what people are doing. And certainly, uh, you know, names worth adding to watch lists. Absolutely. Wise, wise words from Todd Campbell here. Uh, that's it for this week's show. We want to thank our listeners so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan for Todd Campbell. I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on. These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit SineosHealth.com slash podcast.